How quickly do we learn that Adrian Conway beat Rich in a team's comp in 2017? <laughs> Bam, we're live. Yo, what's up, dude? What's up, brother? How you doing? Good. Adrian, um, I I got to see you at the games and uh, talk with you, and you were great. Uh, anytime I need like some behind the scenes questions, like I, in the years past, I'd always use like Bill or you know Sean or Chase or someone to walk up and be like, "Hey, can you tell me what's going on?" Because I know I need to stitch the behind the scenes together. And I came up to you several times this year and did that. Did we know each other before this year? Like, I feel like I know you, but I can't remember ever actually talking to you. But when I talked to you, it was like we were long lost friends. So, yeah, man, I don't, I actually don't know how far our interactions go historically. I mean, we, I got on seminar staff in 2013, summer mm -hmm. 2013. So, you know, that dates back. I'm sure that there were either some summits that we went to, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and, and rubbed shoulders or interacted in some way. Um, but other than that, I, I mean, we went up to the ranch in 2012. I don't even remember if you were part of this or not, like capturing some of the media that went down, but when, yes, yes, I have photos. I have photos of you there. Yeah. It's crazy. So there you go. So we've been in the same space. Yeah. Just forever. And, 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 yep. and it, and it feels like family. That's right. Like just people who work at CrossFit, right? I think that's almost always how it goes. Yeah, it's cool. It's 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 really cool. And then, of course, I remembered. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I don't remember you being on the team, but I do remember the team that you were on that competed in Colorado because you had that lady on your team, Lindsay, who was breastfeeding in between events and yep. you guys won and everyone was giving her respect like she was the second coming what was her last name Lindsay? so it was taylor her first name was taylor taylor oh. richards Lindsay. oh okay i had it backwards yep. taylor, taylor richards okay. Lindsay. um oh man that was an amazing experience and i am zero offended that you don't remember me being on the team because i was very new in the space and trying to trying to learn how to do the competitive thing at the time um but yeah taylor taylor was amazing um, just came off of having, you know, her baby months before and a phenomenal athlete who was a division one basketball player at Utah state actually. Yeah, that's crazy. And then you had Tommy, Tommy was the leader of that team. Yep. Tommy Hackenbrook, the yeah. man, the myth, the legend. Yeah. Crazy. Um, um, can you tell me some of the things I'm going to name some things you do? So are you, I'm going to guess some things. So you have a, uh, a company, you own a company, supplement company. Um, you do games broad CrossFit games broadcasting. Yep. You are a father and a husband. Yes. Um, you are not on seminar staff anymore. I am. You are seminar staff. I've returned to seminar staff. Yes. Crazy. Took a hiatus right there post uh, pandemic, the shutdown um, with where we were at the point of our business and where I was in, in my professional life, it was, I felt like I wasn't really living the, the seminar staff lifestyle, meaning that like I had no real tie to full-time coaching and or an affiliate. So I didn't feel like I was wearing the red shirt responsibility and showing up to teach seminars to people who are trying to go out and do the thing. It just didn't, it didn't feel right to me not being like really involved in that lifestyle. And now that I'm back to coaching, it seemed like it was a great fit and a great time for me to try to get back on. Explain that to me a little bit more. Like you felt like a like a like I'm not eating right. I'm not training hard enough. I didn't brush up on the materials. I'm not like I don't have the passion to share the cure for the world's most vexing problem. What do you mean? I'm not. Give me some. Yeah, I mean for for me personally, it was a 
it was a timing thing. So I'm not going to front like it wasn't convenient. It was convenient for me to not be on seminar staff. I wanted to spend more time with my family. If I'm working all five days of the week, I, I can't justify being away from my kids and my wife again, you know, through the course of the weekend. Although teaching seminars is, I mean, there's not much, many things that I enjoy doing more. So aside from that, you know, to add to the the addition of that whole deal is that, um, oh, there they are getting after yeah, there it. They are the kids. Yep. Getting after it. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I just didn't feel like I was as invested in the space as I had been throughout my whole career, man. The only real job that I've ever had was coaching. Um, so when we, when we started this supplement business, um, which I don't work in day in and day out anymore, um, it, it felt like a bit of a, a distraction from what I was asked to do on seminar staff. Was that hard not to do that? Because when people want to get on seminar staff, that's like the dream job, right? Like, hey, kind of like, hey, I want to be a, a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. I want to be like, there's this like kind of bucket list phenomenon to it, right? Like you want to be part of yeah. this elite team or you want to make the varsity team in high school. It's the varsity yep. team yep. in the train, in the fitness world. 100%. To me, it is, it is top tier, best of the world. Um, I, uh, I felt just a high level of responsibility though. I mean, and I think, you know, you would agree with this, Savan, that, you know, the folks that get to don the, the red shirt are, are kind of different, you know, in regards to the level of professionalism that they, they carry in uh, to their job and the way that they carry themselves, the way they teach, um, the way they motivate, all, all these things. And so for me, that the distance that was created for me doing that on a daily basis and then showing up to do it maybe once every two months or once a month on a seminar it, it didn't feel as refined or as good as I, I previously thought that I was able to do it. So I, I, uh, with much hesitation and a lot of, um, consideration, you know, let them know like, Hey, I just, I, I struggle to be as available as I feel like I should be. Mm. I know that this is something that kind of makes your job more difficult. You know, at this time, I think it's better that I remove my name from the availability list. And then, you know, Fortunately enough for me, man, they, they let me slide back on seminar staff when it, when it was time. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the L1 is a, tri is a trip because on the same level that you say, uh, talk about their professionalism, there's also this thing that like when you leave there, um, you, could get your, you could get the seminar staff's phone number and become friends with them. Like you just mm -hmm. hear about endless relationships of DMing and texting, and I still am still in touch. It's like they're, they're kind of also like your second grade teacher. You can still like go back and visit their classroom. There's no doubt about it, man. I, I get I get pinged by people all the time that either for the first time hear my voice on like commentary or they see something on social media and they're like, oh, yeah, man, you, you, you're not going to remember me. But, you know, five years ago in Park City or, you know, um, six years ago in, in San Antonio or in Houston or, or wherever, you know, of course, the seminars are everywhere at this point. But, um, yeah, you you create some really unique relationships. And I think it goes to even show like the uniqueness of the experience of the level one for the participants themselves. Like they're vulnerable, they're nervous, they're excited, but a lot of times they're, they're getting exposed to an intensity in the workouts and information being shared with them in a very different way than it is every day in their affiliate. So there's a bit of rawness there. And then you add on to that at the end of day one, where we just all sit back, throw back a beer, have some pizza or whatever, you know, it depends on what city you're in. Um, but, uh, I think those moments right there are really where a lot of people get those life-changing experiences. Do you, is that city by city? Like uh, some city, like if you're some cities will throw back a beer, some cities now you don't throw back a beer. 
Oh yeah. I mean, look, when we're here in Salt Lake City, you'll get a few that, that stick around and, and throw back a beer. Um, Park City, same thing. But to be honest, when we have them here in Utah, it seems like so many people come from close areas mm-hmm. that like that when the day's done, they get, they bounce okay. to their families. Yeah. 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 Versus, you know, in more major market cities, it seems that people travel further to come or a destination type city and they're there. And so when the day ends, they're like, I'm just going to go back to my hotel anyways. So I'd rather sit here and hang out with you guys. Right. Uh, Sam E. Adrian taught my L1 in September. The dude is a literal wealth of knowledge. It's unbelievable. Uh, Barry McCockner, uh, Mormons love beer. I, I can't. I don't know if that's true. I don't, I don't know if that's true. They might. The, the, the ones that give it a go, they might learn to. <laughs> okay. Uh, games athlete, uh, individual masters and team. Yep. But um, so that uh, is there any games in the future for you? Games uh, participation? I, mean, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I think the, the beauty of, of our sport is that I, I love the methodology and I love to train. I, I'm a complete gym rat. Um, there have been periods in my life throughout the last five or six years where my presence in the gym has been the least it's been in my entire adult life. Um, and I hate those every times. day. Is that still every day? Yeah. When you oh, say yeah. the least? Yeah. 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 Every day. And and I'll, I'll try to intentionally, you know, take a Sunday and, and not go in the garage and not do anything. Um, but if it's my choice and, and my time is available, like I'm in the gym, you know, if, if the evening is a peer, uh, like last night, for example, my kids are of age and we've got a great neighborhood where they're outside throwing down with their friends. My wife's reading a book. Well, I'm going to go in the garage and do yeah. something because I'm bored and that's all I got left to do for the day. Right. So I love it. So you hate injury. It's like your therapist is out of town. Man, I'll tell you what, throughout the years, I've always been injured. Mm. (laughs) So yes, I hate injury. Yes, I hate injury, but also I completely understand how to train around injury and I'm not going to let it keep me out of the gym. Right. And I'm going to still get what I need to get from the gym. I'm going to scale accordingly. Um, But man, yeah, injury has been a very, uh, very much a pivotable or pivot. Yeah pivoting time in my life every time that I've sustained a, a pretty significant injury. So yeah. What, what's the worst it. injury you've had? Mm, I tore a pretty severe tendon in my right ankle in college um, that I got two screws in my right ankle um, to, to repair or to keep down. Um, I tore the MCL in my elbow, which Ooh. was one of the you most have an MCL in your elbow. Yeah, man, you do. Interesting. Um, so I was like engaged blocking someone. Mm-hmm. And someone else hit my elbow and it drove it in inside towards the other elbow. So it like hyperextended and it, it pulled the elbow in immediately. And uh, I had, I didn't have to get, have to get it surgically repaired, but I did have to wear like a, you know, one of those deals that lock me into lock me into place for a while. Like, yeah, did, you know, the, did you know you were injured right, right away? Um, When it happened? Yeah. Because immediately I, I tried to, so the situation was that I was out on the field. Um, this was like a second down. We, we passed the ball and I was in pass protection. So I was, I was blocking a linebacker and that the, it, it happened and I just grabbed my arm immediately and it started to feel heavy, like, uh, like pain. Okay. I get, but then like the response after was like, it started to feel heavy. It was like filling with blood really quick. And, um, and then, so third down was the next play, but it was a third and short. And so I try to stay in the game to carry the ball one more time because it was my left arm and I did, I could take the handoff with my right, right arm and still try to run a ball. Um, and 
I was able to carry the ball. I was able to still kind of do what I needed to do as a running back. I just couldn't use my left arm to like stiff arm or, you know, evade the tackle. Um, but after that play, I know something was serious and it was, it was done. It put me out most of that season. Damn. And, but you kept working out. You just worked out around it. Even then you knew. Yeah, man. Even then. So in college, um, when you're injured, you know, there's not much going on. There's not much you can do. You still go to practice. You still watch film. You still do everything. And because my identity at that point in my life was already like, I'm just the hardest worker. Mm. I, I was going to continue to be that. So I was going to go into the gym with my good arm and, and do what I needed to do and make my legs as strong as possible to do what I needed to do. And then uh, I wanted my teammates to know that I was still grinding with them. Um, that was my junior year. And so by then I was, I was a captain on the team as well. So there was a lot of that, like, I still need to lead by example and be there for these guys. Um, it's interesting. Most people um, talk about success with like hard work and discipline and habits. And one of the topics I like to talk about a lot is if you want to be around great people, you, it, you have to be a special person because the, the rules don't apply to great people. Like you can't ever like expect them to text you back or call you back or mm -hmm. you, you, you won't be around great people. If you put demands on people, if you really want to be around really great fucking people, you take all the demands off them. You'd be, you'd be uh, what Adrian Bosman and I used to talk about the easiest friend ever. They know show you for a cup of coffee. No problem. No problem. You, you, it's all there. No one owes you anything. And then you will slowly, but this is another great way to say this. This is, I don't know if this is, this is from Twitter, I guess. Uh, Adrian Conway at Adrian Conway underscore. God, I hate an underscore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with the underscore? I man? just hate numbers and underscore. I just, I just, no. Okay. Only one person like Jordan could use a number. Uh, Got it. Uh, for now, but the other day someone had underscore in the front and the end, like to try to get symmetry. And I was like, okay, I, I feel you're, you're trying yep. uh, fanatical commitment to your goals does not grow your circle. It shrinks it. The masses don't move, uh, like high achievers because they aren't, it is, um, an another way I like to say it, Adrian is you could see this girl or this guy and you're just totally in love with them and you want them. You have to remember they're a bald eagle. And the second you get a bald eagle and put it in a cage, it no longer is a bald eagle. If you go to the zoo and you think you saw a lion, you're fucking lying to yourself. It has none of the lion traits because it's in a cage. It's not showing ribs. It's not chasing shit down. It's not for, I mean, you know, it's, uh, yep. the, the environment is 50% of, of all of us. And, and, and this, I just, I just love this. What did you, what realization did you come to? Like, did you realize like, Hey, I have to, it's okay. If I don't return people's texts, it's okay. If like, did you realize it for yourself at some point? Hey, if I'm going to be great, the people around me are just going to have to understand it's not personal. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm strange. Like I just, I'm Good, weird. Me too. I, I think I've been weird my whole life, mm -hmm. but I had this Tell and me. I share this, I share this with people. So people, people that know me know this. Um, but I had this goal, man, when I was really young, I wanted to be special. I wanted to, I mean, my parents told me I could be right. That first and foremost is it was like, there were seeds planted for sure. I can't always remember conversations or anything like that, but I just, neither of my parents went to college. So, so, you know, like my step parents, parents, no, no, no one in my immediate family was, was going to college at all from a small town in central Pennsylvania and all this to be said, um, my, my parents did jobs when I was growing up that they didn't like. They didn't like them. They hated going to work. They would do what they had to do in order to, you know, um, make make my situation or our situation with my siblings and step siblings the, the best that they could and, and give us opportunities. And um, 
you know, my mom and dad told me that if I wanted to be happy and do what I wanted to do, that I had to get an education. So it was really easy for me to see that uh, I knew very little about money coming up. Um, I didn't know like, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about loans, man, or student loans or how it worked or like zero. I assumed that if you didn't have the cash to pay for something that you weren't going to have it. Turns out that's a great way to live though. Right. So long, long story short, man, I had one option and it was going to be to get an athletic scholarship or, or, a or an academic scholarship. And so I pursued that like from a real, like a, a young age, I just kind of knew that that's what I wanted. And I think that is what initially made me see that I was going to have to be different and live different than other kids. Um, you know, when I'm 12 and 13 years old, man, I'm like in my bedroom doing pushups and sit-ups and, and not wanting to tell that my, my brother that I was doing pushups and sit-ups cause I wanted to be stronger than him. And, oh, wow. Wow. and, or, or, or he older or younger. Um, I have, I have a stepbrother that's older and a, and a, and a stepbrother that's younger. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm right towards the middle. Yeah. How old were you when you moved? How old were you guys when you guys came together as a family? Um, I was four and he was three when our parents met. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, with, with the other side of my family. So my, my, my blood father, my father and my stepmother met when I, I was four and my stepbrother was three. Then on the other side of my family, um, my mother, uh, met my stepfather when I was five. And did so he have from kids? a very young age, I just had two families. Uh, but did he have kids? Yeah. So that's yes. on, okay, on that so side, my, my stepfather's side, I have an older sister, uh, an older brother, and then a younger half brother as well. Oh, okay. So, so you do have that half brother is the only sibling you have. That's like your blood sibling. Yes. Yeah. And he, but he's, he's 11 years younger than me. Oh, no shit. How old are you? About to be 38 on October 24th. Oh, wow. Awesome. God, I have no, I had no idea. How old are your kids? Six and four. Um, what do you, what do you do going back to this, um, this comment that you tweeted? Yeah. What do what do you think? What are some of the things you do that you think that make it? So you're, what are some of the manifestations that your circles are smaller that you saw? That, that kind of line up with that. Like for me, I keep a really small loop. I have a, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. I keep a small loop, you know, I'm in, so that I can be really fanatical. So I'm not pulled out of my loop. Like I pass and I make everything part of my day. So mm. my, um, everything's interconnected. There's never anything wasting. Like if you don't, if you don't want to be talked about on my podcast, don't hang out with me. I'm fuck yep. you up. I'm talk about you. I see yeah. like a snot rocket hanging out and your parent next to me. I'm talking about it on my podcast. You know what I mean? Uh, do, is, what do you do that makes you realize that like you, you want to be great and that you're fanatical? What are some manifestations? Well, I, I, I don't, I don't think that I intentionally do this even maybe perhaps as much as you do, but subconsciously the way I live and the way I move and all the way back in, in college or high school people who didn't also want to be that way just didn't associate themselves with me as closely. Like it wasn't me like by proxy being like, Hey man, I can't hang out with you. Like, cause I gotta, you know, I, I gotta keep my circle small so that I can. It was just that, well, I, I pretty much live. I, I wake up in the morning. I go to school. I go to the weight room during school. I go to the weight room after school. Then I go to practice. Then I go home and I don't go out. So if, if that's your crew and that's what you want to do, then 
you probably won't want to hang out with me in mine. Right. Like I was the, I was the, the, the guy that had friends who were non-athletes that just wanted to play video games outside of sport because I wasn't the one that was always out at the parties. So it wasn't necessarily the cool, cool thing to do. So I think that even as, as an adult now, Savan, I live my life in such a way that I'm able to get done what I desire to get done or what I think needs to be done. And if people don't fit in well, I think they just kind of drop off. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't intentionally tell in. people to kick yeah. rocks. They just yeah. kick rocks. Yeah. Get in where you fit in. Right. Yeah. So like you take you something you may want to do in your life is you take, I see you take your kids to sporting events, like soccer, like you're their soccer coach or you take them to their sporting events. Yep. And so if those, those parents there, you might interact with them. They might be your friends by convenience, but you're not going to the bar at night to make friends or hang out. Correct. You're having your friend time while you take your kids. Yeah. That's how I do it too. Like, like I, I hope, I hope I'm on the same path as some people. That's right. So our, our circles can bump. Yep. Yep. Hey, and if, and if we're, Listen, if, if we're close, even spiritually, like at church, right? If you want to catch me and spend some quality time with me, you know how you could do it. Come work out with me in a gym. Right. Because because when I'm free, and because people ask me, they're like, hey, uh, Adrian, so what do you do for fun? I'm like, man, I, I really like what I do. And then when I got more time, I like to, I like to work out. Uh, and if I'm not working out, I'm spending time with my kids. Be- because that's, that fills my cup, right? And, it, and it's all it all is parallel to like the direction I want to be going. I want to be the best coach that I can for every athlete that I guide or serve in my time in the space. Equally, if I choose to be a competitive athlete, I want to be the very best competitive athlete that I can. If I'm not focused on being a competitive athlete, I want to be as fit and as strong as possible as I continue to age up in my life and, and different things are demanded of me. So to me, it's always just kind of pushing in that direction. I'll also add that physical training has added a ton of value to spiritual discipline for me throughout my entire life. And I didn't know it until I started being more spiritual uh, in my in my early to mid-20s. But for me, like understanding that I need to show up on days even when I don't feel like it, like that's the same reason that I can be consistent with reading scripture or doing other stuff that personally, sometimes I don't want to do it. Right. So it, it all it all kind of goes the same direction. It makes it makes you a better parent too. Oh man. Cause because it's does. always it's always about like, hey, it's always reminding yourself well i don't even know if you have to remind yourself but it's being in the state of mind of like i'm the luckiest person in the world that i get to serve these kids luckiest luckiest in the world and there's no no better way to put it um is um have have you ever let anyone hold you back there's two ways to word it you could be like, I, I used to word it like, man, I've had business partners who really held me back. But really, at the end of the day, it's only when I realized that I was letting them hold me back and I had to move on from Do you ever have anyone, anyone that was holding you back? I'll give you an example. Like, I wanted to make a movie, and my business partner said we didn't have the skills to make a movie. This is, you know, 30 years ago. But the mm. skills are the resources. And then I realized, oh, shit, like, I, I, I'm, 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 what the fuck kind of talk is that? And I, and I, and I've gone through three business partners because in the simplest way, I would say work ethic. You know what I mean? Like we would go on a seven day work trip. I would work all seven days. They would go hiking one day and like, I, and I, that's okay. I just didn't want to be, I, and so have you ever had any, anyone where you, you had to cut them loose? Cause, um, you felt like you were allowing them to hold you back. I don't think so. And, and I say that because ultimately it was like, even, even in your situation, this is where my mind goes, is that your business partner gave you that, gave you that advice or they said that thing, but who, who chose to, to let them influence you that way? That was you. Right, 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 right. right. I, so, so I, I would keep working and then I would start resenting them. Right. 
Exactly. Exactly. Right? So, so I can't. And it's say not that, their fault. They didn't do anything wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I can't say that there's anyone that comes to my mind or like any hard like, hey man, I got to draw this line. We can't. We can't do this anymore. We can't do that anymore. I think I've always been very obvious, like very straightforward with people. Like, hey, this is this is who I am. This is what I do. And I think people always saw it. Um, and so again, like either they wanted to be tied to it or they didn't. And I just kind of, I was always, I was, I was always dancing to the beat of my own drum for lack of any better, you know, uh, correlation. And a lot of it is, I mentioned to you, I grew up basically with two families, right? The whole time I was coming up. So the way that I grew up in what city all over the place, because my stepdad was in the air force. So which means, you know, for me, I didn't go to the same elementary school for two years in a row until or same wow. school for two years in a row until I was 16. So when I was when I was a sophomore in high school, my sophomore year and junior year were the two years that I went to the same school two years in a row. Before that, I went one year with my mom's family, one year with my dad's family and my the base of my family, because even my step parents um, are from this area is central Pennsylvania. And. Uh, I, I lived in California, Ohio, Arizona on some of those other off years that I was kind of growing up. So because of that, though, um, I'm sure that I got some really weird personality quirks and um, a way too high level of independence that like doesn't allow me to be sometimes the closest with people. Because mm -hmm. when you when you're growing up like that, right, it's like I'm trying to protect myself. You know, yeah. I'm trying not to yeah. be so sad when I leave my friends. So what's the best way to do that? Not get too close to them. Um and so I, I think that because of that, though, when I decide I want something, I'm just going to go get it. And whoever wants to support it or go get it with me, let's go. Um, and then whoever doesn't, then, you know, they'll find their way out. That's an interesting self-observation. When I think of you, it, it's it's very interesting. I, when I think of you, it's I think of you as very polished, but I don't think of you as a douchebag. Like, I don't think you like, you know, that guy in the center. I don't think of you as a used car salesman, but I do think of you as very uh concise in your choice of words in your in your just your your presentation from your physical mm -hmm. to your uh, kind of emotional to yeah just everything that I, I and, and that's interesting i think that that coincides with what you're describing as um like you have you have a good game face mm -hmm. was that the plan to switch back and forth every year like that seems like a crazy plan to do to a kid. You get him one year, we get him one year. It's like, uh, I don't know if that's a good one. That was the yeah. plan or was it because there would be fighting in one house and then fighting in the other house? Or that was the plan? All no, man, that's just, that's how custody was Holy decided shit, to be split. Yeah. Getting yeah. your transcripts and shit together must have been crazy. Like when you like tried to get out. Like Yeah, well, fortunately, fortunately enough though, everywhere. right? So fortunately enough though, 10th grade through 12th grade were all in one place. Yeah. So, so in Phoenix, Arizona, that's when, so I live in, I live in Salt Lake city, Utah. I was recruited from there to come play college football. So it was like, it was, you know, luckily the, the transcript thing wasn't a big deal, but yearly moving from school to school or understanding as a kid and seeing this, that mm -hmm. academics on the East coast are at a higher level than academics are on the West coast. Mm. Like I would always feel myself feeling slightly behind when I went back home to Pennsylvania, especially once I hit junior high than mm -hmm. I did when I would come out to California or Arizona. Like I just felt, it felt easier to me. Um, so with, with all that considered, you know, it was, it, there were some complicated things for sure. Um, but I'm looking back, man, I, it, it was hard, um, but I'm grateful for, 
the experience. And this is going to sound really weird, but I think it allowed my parents to be good influences for me, but for me to never feel like I needed to be like either of them mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I'd never, I was never around them right that much at, at any one given time. So they could, they could tell me things and they could say things and they could teach me things. They could even tell me things that they couldn't do right by themselves. And I'd be like, yeah, I get it. And I, and I didn't lose respect for them. I didn't feel like they were hypocritical at none of that, none of that. And I think it's because of some of that distancing. Now I will say this though, as an adult man, my son is six and my daughter is four. I could almost like cry right now thinking about, you know, giving them a hug and a kiss and putting them on a plane to go away from me for oh. a at a time. Like I just, I can't imagine. And I feel like, oh my God, dude, it, 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 it breaks me. It, it literally breaks me, but it makes me have tremendous amount of empathy for my parents. Like I think back to How now, like they what they do it. I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I can remember vividly though, the, the day that my father found out that my mom was going to be moving to California with my stepdad and what that did to him and how he couldn't even like interact with me. Oh, and, because uh, he was going to miss you. Have you ever talked to your dad about that? Oh man. Listen. So unfortunately my father passed away when I was 16. Okay. Yeah. He died when I was 16 and uh very, very emotional man. Definitely not afraid to hide his emotions. And, um, Oh, we, we, you know, we talked about it. It, it was, it was, it was something that, that affected me for, and, and still affects me to this day for the rest of my life because of how much I saw what it, what it did to him. And it wasn't even the time yet. It wasn't like I was saying goodbye to him at the time. It was just, he knew what that meant, right. For our relationship. And he knew what that meant for our time. And so, yeah, man, I, I remember that pretty vividly. Um, I, I remember, I don't know how my, my dad just lived 25 miles away. Right. And he came every weekend. Right. And, and, and he would take me to, to Berkeley or, or my mom would drive me there or whatever. So I saw my dad every weekend, but I do remember some age 13 or 14 and him and my mom sitting me down, they were divorced and saying, mm -hmm. Hey, do you want to move in with your dad? And I was like, well, of course I do, but I don't want to leave you. Right. <laughs> I don't yep. want to leave my mom. Yep. How about he just move in next door or something? Yeah. And my, and my, and now that I think of my dad, now that I think about it, I, funny, I never even thought of it. My dad was really emotional. I could tell he did not like being away from me. He was a workaholic though, too. And okay. in a good way. I mean, I got it from him too. Both my parents were workaholics. Yeah. Your parents workaholics? Like nope. work, work, work? No. Nope. Nope. No. Not, not, they knew, not, they, they knew how to have downtime. Yeah. So my, my dad, when he was alive, so, so my mom, my mom still works. She, uh, she works at the high school that I went to. Um, she's an, an assistant to the athletic director there. Um, so she, she served in that role, even through my time in high school and she, and she still, still does it today. And, um, and she likes her job, but my mom is social, right? So she, she likes the so socialistic perspective of it. She wants to hang out with the young kids and, you know, hear he, the, hear help support some of the young women going through high school drama. Like those things are like, that's her, that's her, that's her cup of tea. My, my mom is a great support system and also someone that really is very good at sharing hard truths with people. You think um, she's a server? You think your mom's a server? Like in like a, the yoga tradition, you think she's a server? Like, I don't know what that means in the yoga tradition. It's like, um, um, you, you, like it's, it's the highest honor, like service. A service to people? 
Yes, I, I do. And, and there's I, a Taoist saying, stop thinking your problems will end. Or if like, hey, man, the, like all pain and everything is all just ego. Like stop thinking about yourself and go serve someone. You think your mom's a server like that? That's what I mean. Yes. Like a service provider to yep. like. In, in a very world, different whether, way. Yeah. In a very different way. She might she might use some choice words that m some other people might not use. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But she she's a great listener. And, and in a way that like she's not trying to think about what she's going to say back to you before she hears what you have to say. And so I think that that's yes. in that, in that tone, absolutely. Um, but on, on the other side, my dad, you know, he, he worked, he worked at a shoe factory most of my life and he, he did welding, some welding stuff. So it was like hard at work the at the shoe factory. Yeah. Like, like on the, machine. the machines going. Yeah. Did, did the machines make shoes? Yes. I heard this story. This is way off subject. I heard this story that, and I don't know if this is true. I'd have to ask Bill. That Bill Henniger, you know, they make, they try to make all their shit in the U.S. And that he wanted to make shoes. He wanted to make a shoe, but that there was not a single manufacturer mm. in the United States of America that made shoes in country. Is that is that plant that your dad worked at still around? Nope. Fuck. Yep. It was in you Central PA, man. Made there. What do you remember about that? Listen, it was in it was in Huntington, Pennsylvania. It was called U.S. Sports. It was it was called U.S. Sports, and that that's that's all, that's man, that's all I, that's all I got. That's all that's all I can remember. I remember being there. I remember getting going into the factory sometimes. You know, me and my me and my brother running around that place and in, in in things and doing things we certainly shouldn't have been doing. I'm I'm we're, we're probably lucky that we didn't kill each other playing with some of those machines on the weekends or something. But um, it's funny. I just googled, are there any shoe manufacturers in the United States? It says there are 863 shoe and footwear manufacturing businesses in the USA. I wonder mm -hmm. if any of those actually make shoes. Right. Hey, um, uh, how did your dad pass? Car accident. Oh shit. Yeah. So it and it's it, and it's even it even is more tragic than that. To be honest with you, man, it's like he, you know, my dad had had his vices and had his limitations, and um, just like we all do. But at that time, so to kind of jump back into this story, then. To, to bring this this whole tragedy kind of to a, to a head is that I uh, did this bounce back and forth thing in my mind as a freshman. So I, I, my freshman year was in Pennsylvania and I wanted to, I, I had the opportunity to play both varsity football and basketball as a freshman. And we weren't far from Penn state and it's not far from Pitt and it's a great hub. Like we're not far from Ohio state. I wanted to be a big 10 athlete. Like I wanted to go to one of these major, major market colleges and play football. And so with things going the way they were going, um, I thought that that's where I was going to stay to do my high school time so that I could, you know, reach my goals. And um, my dad was going through some struggles at the time, going through a job change. He was having some back issues, very, very chronic back issues. Now, my dad worked out all the time, mm. right? Lo loved to work out, loved to train. Um, back buys and tries, the, the whole Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. Yeah. Yep, Gold's yeah. Gym, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but yeah. but never shot away. You know, it wasn't like uh, – like he loved to grind. He wanted to do legs. He wanted to, you know, I don't think he did a ton of squatting in his latter years, but he did a ton of leg pressing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's the one that helped get me and my brother uh, technical work for Olympic Olympic lifts, even when we were like, man, at the time, 13 and, and 12. And this is way before this is common or popular, right? So we were learning the hang clean and different things like that. But nonetheless, man, um, I, uh, I, I thought I wanted to, to stay there. And because he was going through some things with his back and change of work, he fell into some, some pretty heavy substance abuse in the form of just 
abusing codeine, the meds that he was getting pushed mm. for his back pain. Right. Um, to the point where like, I, I remember riding in a car with him and could tell that he was so tired that he was almost like dozing off at the wheel type mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. And as a teenager, you know, I, I see things and I've seen a lot of stuff growing up to this point. So I knew when something was good and when it wasn't good and when it was bad and right. All these things. So I'll, I'll say something. So I'm like, Hey man, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? And like, I say it like that, like I'm a man. Yeah. I, I probably shouldn't have been talking to my dad like that, but also between my mom and dad, my mom was a disciplinarian. Mm. So I was saying whatever I needed to say to my dad without really thinking about it. Right. And you that sounds consistent with what you've learned from your mom and how you've characterized your mom. Correct. And so, you know, he, but he, he would lie to me. He'd be like, I'm good, man. Nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Nothing's up. I'm like, Hey man, did you take too many of those pills? Nah, no, just, just what they tell me to, you know, that kind of thing. So it was, it was a hard thing for me to deal God, with. I, by the way, I hate that line, by the way. So, I, I triggered, what line? triggered just what they told me to mm. Mm. <laughs> well, me, me and that you doesn't both, sit man. well with me me and you three both three or four years that hasn't been sitting well with me <laughs> I, I understand anyway go on Nah, man i get it and uh so with, with all that being said though as a kid i'm starting to have these some realizations and um man it got to the point where like i was like is he drunk though or, or is he on these pills right. me and my brother would go like searching for stuff in our house to see if we could find what he was taking so we could throw it away like right. all this right long story short my stepmother because she cared about me more than she cared about you know she cared about us as kids more than more than anything else when i was away with my mom that summer she shared with my mom what was going on and my mom was like cool like you you're just not going to be allowed to go back and i didn't like this choice clearly she didn't you want know? you driving with someone who's under the influence she didn't want you to die in a car accident any of it any right. of it Right. right. And and he had been in or a, pop in, one of his pills, which you could easily do at 16. I'm going to try my dad's cigarette. I'm going to try his pills. I'm going to try whatever. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Which that's a whole nother topic because I think I never had those desires because of things that both he told me and he showed me, unfortunately. Right. Like I saw something. I'm like, eh, well, I don't want that. I don't want to be like that. And also he would tell me like, hey, you don't want this and you don't want to be like this. Um, so nonetheless, uh, you know, I'm in Arizona then starting my high school career there kind of like doing the football thing and all the while he's trying to get some help trying to get some help for his condition what he's dealing with um and i'm i'm set to go back to visit for christmas this is about 10 days it's december 14th so you know only about 10 days out before christmas and that's that that's when he died and you're at home at your mom's house and your mom's like hey your dad died in a car accident uh we were out buying a christmas tree and I had weird feelings that day, man, like mm. weird feelings, like very stressed feelings. And this is, I, you know, I don't talk about this a ton, but it's like, I, something really felt weird to me and not mm. right. And I'm not a dude that stresses about much, man. Like I don't get stressed about much. And, um, I had my license, but I was meeting my mom and my stepdad out. We were, um, buying a Christmas tree. Cause it's the same night that we did this every year. And then, uh, we got home and that's when, you know, fortunately enough, you know, my best friend and my stepbrother was the one that called. So the one that's a year younger than me, because he was the one holding it together. Well, of course, my stepmom was probably not in a great place, made the call and told my stepdad on the phone. And I heard my stepdad answer the phone and I remember him being shaken, right? Like something's not right. And I heard, did he make it? I knew exactly what was going on. And I just remember like sprinting back to my room and like being devastated. 
How, how long does that last? Outwardly for me, probably not long. Inwardly for me, a very long time. A very long time. Um, What's inwardly look like? You're mad at him or mm, feeling very, sorry for yourself? or Very, very uh, yeah, feeling like life is unfair. Mm. Like, like, screw this. You know, I don't understand. Um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of hate towards his actions and a lot of stuff that I didn't flesh out until like I was actually able to have the, a healthy perspective on who God is in my life and then like give him forgiveness for like, man, he's just, he was just another, he was just another sinful man. And to be honest, he did, he didn't have, he didn't have real men in his life to be like, Hey man, you need to man up. Hey man, you need to be better. Hey, you can't be doing this. Oh, you're, you, you feel bad. Your back is hurting you. Well, you got a kid that you need to take care of and you got a family that you need to provide for. And, and, and this is going to make me kind of go off on a ramp, but to me, as I grow, I always want to try to be the type of friend or the type of leader that I felt like my dad never had. Cause my dad didn't have a father. He didn't, he never knew his father, never met him once. When you say that consciously, you want to be that, or you feel that unconsciously? I, I both in my, oh. every, every ounce of my being, when I think about who I want to be as a man, I think about how many men are out there that are like my dad that grew up mm. with no father, no support, no example. My dad, and, my, my dad too. My dad grew up like that. My dad had his, his dad was off in the military. He would only come home on weekends and get my fucking grandma pregnant. My dad had 10 brothers and sisters living in a concrete hut that was 15 by 15, no electricity, no running water. You know, kids dying in accidents didn't fuck my grandfather. Yeah. My, my dad was the oldest too. So exact same thing. You're right. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. And, and it, and, and no one's, no one's unaffected by it. Right. You could be the yeah. richest family in the world yeah. and the absence of, of a, of a strong leader mm -hmm. affects you the rest of your life in perpetuity. How did you learn how to become that? You just faking it. Some days I wonder, some yeah. days I might yeah. be faking it. I don't yeah. know. I'm faking it. Yeah, it's like I, I, but I'm I enjoying just, faking it, but I'm enjoying the fuck out of it. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. It's it, it is. It's bro. I, I really enjoy it, but also it's 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 scary and it's hard, right? To be. To try to always be the steadfast, even keeled, unaffected and not necessarily unaffected. I, I'm always open to sharing emotion and, and and allowing people to feel my emotion when the time is is appropriate. But like, you know, sometimes, sometimes leading is exhausting. And to me, I, I learn a lot of what I learn from leaders that I, that I look up to and admire in the Bible. Right. Oh. Or like, or like God's leadership like to who? me. Like, give me an example of who, you know, recently I've been introduced that this isn't going to be anything profound, but recently I've introduced, been introduced this idea that God's like the ultimate father. That that's what he is to all of us. Like, uh, like he's he's the he's the ultimate father. And it's funny, I never thought of it like that. Mm. Yeah, the, absolutely. But, and that's why it's so important to have. Not only is it important to have a father in your day to day life, but it's important for everyone to have a father, and that father is God. Right. Right. Yeah, and I, and I I think clearly that Jesus is my number one. Right. Is someone who had a tremendous purpose and a tremendous pressure coming into his life. He was willing to fulfill the prophecies that were laid out before him in the old Testament. And, um, no matter how terrible and or difficult those situations that he found himself in were, he was willing to do what he, he deemed necessary to do. Right. Another one is David from the old Testament, uh, a leader who had tremendous ability, 
uh, mixed with tremendous commitment, a man that was certainly far from perfect, uh, led a led a life with tremendous sin, like some serious stuff where you'd be like, yo, I can't believe he would do that. And yo, Adrian, I can't believe you're saying like he was a good leader. Man, he was a, he was a great leader and he had many limitations and he was a sinful dude, just like I am. I'm never going to be perfect. But if I do my best to follow God's will for my life, and which means like I'm in there with the scripture and I'm in there being sensitive to like what I do that hangs me up, what I do that is a struggle for me. And I do my best to kind of veer away from those things or strengthen those weaknesses. Then I think, you know, I'll, I'll be hopefully doing the right thing for not just my family, but people around me that I can influence too. Um, uh, real quick rambler, maybe, maybe faking. It's not the right word. Um, uh, feeling around in the dark. You can go, I, I don't, by faking it, I don't mean like being fake. I mean like, Oh shit. Like, like, like I'm teaching my kid how to skateboard and I fucking don't skateboard myself. That's yeah. what I mean by faking it. Yeah. I'm like, you, you know what I mean? I'm using everything I can, but I'm f completely in the fucking dark and not afraid to say, I don't know when I don't know either. Right. But there's times where you just got to fake it. Like, uh, you never change a flat tire. You got a flat tire. You better fucking get out there and pull out the lug nut and like do it with confidence. Like, you know what you're doing? And, and that's what I mean by fake it. I didn't, I don't, I don't mean like tell someone you love them when you don't, I, 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 I don't mean, I don't mean that. I mean, just, um, if you got to fight a bear, you never fought a bear before better time to man up and like, act like, you know what you're doing. Fuck yeah. A hundred percent. And I, and I agree exactly with your take on that Savan. I think that it's, uh, it's not faking it. And, and that might have been a, a poor choice of words. It's almost like you we we do feel this. I mean, I'm speaking for myself though. I feel this very real imposter syndrome um mindset where it's like I yeah, find myself yeah. in situations and I'm like, how did I how did I really get here? I mean, I I I I I, I preached a sermon on Sunday at church. Oh, I was gonna ask you if you do that. I'm if like, that's yo, man, I, in your future. Do yeah, you do man, that every I, Sunday? No, no, not oh, every oh. Sunday. I'm oh. no evangelist, no leader of a church. I, I do lead our small group here in Salt Lake. Okay. Um but I, I don't, I don't preach every weekend. No, okay. I, I get asked okay. to do it periodically, but then even then I'm like, yo man, I don't. Okay. So tell me, so you, sorry, you said on a Sunday, you did a sermon. What is that? You find something you like in the Bible and then you talk to people about it. You, you'd be like, Hey, this is chapter seven, uh, with John and Paul hanging out by the lake. I want to talk to you guys about this today. And you do like a 30 minute talk on it. That's right. Yeah. It's very similar to that. Fortunately enough, you know, we've got a great leader here. His name is Chris Reed, a guy that I look up to tremendously. We're in a series right now where we're going through the book of Mark and that's in the new Testament. Um, and so I specifically taught from Mark 12 verses one through 12. And it was, it's a parable that Jesus is teaching to the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders at the time. And literally it's a parable of the tenants. Do you know what that parable is? No, I have no idea. I don't even know what tenants are. Like tenants, like they live like, in, my, in my apartment, in my like house. Like I get money from. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. renters. I they are. I love Bro, them. It's it's wild because you know, like wine fields and vineyards were a thing back then, right? So Jesus is using this parable to be like, hey, I'm going to tell you guys, there was an owner of a vineyard and he had it set up. The wine press was ready. Everything was good. He moved away and he gave it to some tenants. These tenants were there. They led through a season and it was fruitful. So he sent one of his servants to go, hey, collect some of these fruits for myself from my vineyard. The tenants there beat this dude up, sent him away. The owner's like, okay, um, I, I, I'm gonna, I wanna, let's run this back one more time. He sent another one. They killed him. Wow. He sent several more, and they either killed him or beat them up. Lastly, he was like, okay, I'm gonna send my son. They for sure will not hurt my son. So they send his son and the the tenants, the, the renters of this vineyard, they're like, wait, this is this is this man's son. This is his here to the everything that he owns. If we kill him, there will be no here to this. Like this would this could be ours then. 
They kill his son. What's the vineyard owner do? He goes back, destroys them, and destroys the field. This is a parable that, that was like literally prophesied, right, in the book of Isaiah. And it's in terms of like God being the overseer of a vineyard. So Jesus was sitting there, stone cold, told the parable to the religious leaders at the time. And it was directly about them and how they treated who would be him, right? Oh, oh. They were they were cut. And this is when a lot of the manifestation of them having side conversations of like, we got to put Jesus in jail somehow. Like we literally have to do something to get him away. He has too much power, too much influence. And he's you literally be attacking careful, My dad will fuck you up. That's, that's what he's saying. He was saying this is this is what's going to happen because right. then it, it would it's only weeks before Jesus is crucified. So anyways, yeah. long story short, man, that's the parable. And that's what I taught. And so there were different points on different things. And I just came up with them. Jeez Louise, you know, God is speaking to you when you hear the same scripture three times in a week. Ooh, boo, no yeah. lies. Uh, when uh, I, have, I, have a, I have a dear friend that I've become friends with over the last year. And uh, his name is Andrew Hiller. And he his mom died, I think, when he was similar to the age when you said your dad died. And it's so fucking hard for me to hear him say that. Mm. It's so, I, I mean, it's his mom. What do I, why is it hard? I don't, I don't even know why it's hard for me to say that. I want to run from the conversation when he told yeah. me it. Cause just like when you told me your dad died, I kind of want to just be like, oh, hey, podcast is over. I just want to leave. Yeah. It's a fucking hard to hear, dude. Um, I, I, and I, and I always trip on this too because, cause my, both my parents are alive and I remember being a kid. And, and I've said this on this podcast 10 times. I remember being a kid being so I didn't want to be alone. Like I didn't mind being alone. Mm -hmm. Like I like being alone at home, but I did. I like knowing my mom and dad are out there in the world. Yep. But when I had kids, that feeling went away. Mm. Did you, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Did, when you had kids, did you feel some healing occur directly in correspondence to your dad's death? Hmm. By any chance? I don't know if I did, man. Like okay. I, I felt I did feel different, and the difference, the, the the different that I'll say, and and again, I know you're cool with it because this is why you had me on podcast talk about me. But like my relationship with God, when I was 21 years old, and I made the choice to to be close to God and try to make my life in a way that I'm living like according to like what even is close to being taught in Scripture. Uh -huh when I made the really hard choice of like counting the cost with where my life could go, me doing whatever I want with it versus like me trying to commit my life to following God and allowing him to be my father. Like that's when I got that. That's when I felt like peace that I'd never felt before hmm. that. That was it for me. Hmm. When I had my son, it was almost like there was a fulfillment there that I never could have imagined like the bond between my wife and I got deeper, like everything, you know, all the good stuff happened, but I also like became more worried than I ever had in my life. Hmm. About, so, about what, in what way? What do you mean? Um, about like money or shelter or like the fundamentals food or about my presence, like about my well being. Like, oh, like oh. I, I oh, was like, I have fuck. I can't be injured. I can't get sick. I can't like die. I can't die. I can't die. I can't die. Yeah, I can't. That, that die sounds either, morbid, but... right? But it's oh, like, no, I... I get it. I get it. I can't die either. I got, you. I, I cannot die. Hey, I... someone just sent me a text and they said, Hey, um, I'm 38 years old. I have three kids and I just came down with some something. And, and then the next line was, This can't be happening to me. Yeah, like I get it. 
I was like, oh shit, you're right. This can't be happening to you. You have yep. kids, you got shit to do. Nope. Yep. Got got stuff to do, man. And it's a, uh, so it's, I think you just, bec- I become aware of it because I want to be there to teach them and lead them and, and help them and guide them through this life. And I think, you know, when I had my son, it was the first realization of like, whoa, man, like as weird as it sounds, I, I never, man, I've been flying by myself since I was five due to this custody thing, right? My parents getting, sending me on the plane, the store just watches after me, but I've been flying four or five times a year, easy seminar staff exponentially grow that amount of frequency, right? Like, so, but now I think about those types of things. I'm like, man, all right. Well, hope we get where we're going safely. I got kids to raise, right? I got I got stuff to do. I got people to serve. But when I had kids, that was that was the most sobering realization. Is like, man, life is so precious and it's so finite. And I had already lost my my father, and I, and I knew that growing up. I'd, I'd seen many people come and go uh, from this earth at that point. But it's like, man, it's that was a, that was a that was a crazy realization that I didn't know was going to hit me as hard as it did when I entered parenthood. Yeah. Um, uh, half as many drinks uh mm. for, for me uh when we when we had our first kid I, I had hurt my back deadlifting to where i had to like c- crawl to the bathroom and pee in the shower and i was basically stuck for three days and then after that i made a decision i will never be injured like this again it's yeah. it's, it's completely inappropriate to do this when i have a kid complete a fucking unexcusable and i and i haven't been injured since but but I but now I went from trying to like set PRs to take the women's weight and cut it in half, and you know what? I feel perfectly okay doing that. Yeah, um, like zero, zero, all gain, no loss. So it's just a sense of caution that you take. Then when you go in the gym, you're just like, hey, if, if it ain't if it ain't worth it, nah, it's not worth it. I, I need to, I, I I'm working out. It's like what you said. I'm working out so that I can be here. The whole premise of working out isn't has nothing to do with anything that it used to do before it's just to live long and healthy and be a good example for my kids it's everything about my kids everything about my kids yeah everything yeah. Do, should do, i lift that should i tired should it's, it's 11 o'clock and i haven't worked out yet well yeah of course you got it you got it because you got kids mm-hmm. like it's just always yeah because you, you got kids so easy no i get that man do you do you how what's what's the name of your oldest boy avi avi do you have this desire that when Avi's like 14 or 15, you still need to be able to put an elbow in his throat on the ground? Like you, you gotta, you gotta keep dude, your I'm physical trouble, dominance bro. enough. To- <laughs> I'm in trouble, dude. I'm in okay. trouble. Yeah. I mean, I'm Hey, I trouble. hope, I hope he's, I'm equally in trouble, but he's uh he does martial arts. Uh, my, my kids do martial arts like, um, uh, almost seven days a week. Wow. And it, it's, they're just trained. They just train. That's all they do. They're basically professional athletes. All they do all day. They do two hours of school in the morning and then they train till bedtime. That's what my kids do. That's all they know. Some discipline. And like even my uh, my kid who's six, Joseph, the other day did a spinning back kick on me. I'm like, dude, if that hits me in the knee, I'm done. You cannot. I'm an old fucking dude. And they all start laughing. But but it's true. Like, yeah, I'm in trouble. They t- they've told me, hey, we're not going to beat you up when you're old. You don't have to worry. <laughs> Even though you yell at us, we're not going to beat you up when you're old. I'm yeah, like, cool. That's you, cool. Thank. Yeah, Thanks you were good to us when we were, when we were young. We're going to show you mercy. We're going to show you mercy. I love that. I'm, uh, not, I'm, I'm, you are, you're younger than me and in, in, in a more formidable man than me. So I'm 51. I don't, I don't know, dude. At 14, he, he's going to be, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bobby's already, he's, he's not a normal. Yeah, he, he walks around all. Oh yeah, I see it. And shit, and yeah, he thinks he's the shit. <laughs> yep. Hey, that's why you got to stay ready, man. You're gonna, have to, yeah. you're gonna have to probably have to yeah. put him in his place a time or two, yeah. you know. But but I do I do stuff like um you know if we're doing 100 burpees, I do 110. I let him know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I if, if we're at tennis, like, and he's crying, 
I just, I go, hey, I come up to the fence and I whisper in his ear, I go, you're, you're going to just cry every day for the next 10 years. I'm going to fucking crush you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah. I, where I can, I stay on them, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you I got roar, to. I roar at them. I roar. I let them know that I'm the big fucking lion in the house. Right. Anyone right. does anything crazy, disrespectful to mom, I'll come flying out of the bedroom quick as shit. Teeth showing. Oh, yeah. snarl and make you run into the backyard scared for your life oh you know? exactly <laughs> yeah those are those are certainly yeah. the closest my son has has come to to meeting his maker was uh-huh. right be disrespectful dis- to your dis- mom dis- disrespect yeah. to mom yeah yep. you could be you could do that shit to me all day hey, amen we're good but not that's right yeah. nope nope not gonna fly in this house and hopefully they grow up and when when they're married they do the same same type of action to defend to vend theirs um Rich phone, Rich Ronin, I would say we have some really remarkable characters in our sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, truly fucking remarkable p- people. Um, the things that um, Rich and Tia and um, Matt have done are just kind are mind boggling. And, and what Rich has done by going over to teams and, and continuing on and being an ambassador and an affiliate owner, and it just, um, I, I I have so much fucking respect for the guy. It's it's it, I, I don't I don't know where where it, it's even weird to even try to talk about it with words. When you t- t- tell me about this season where your team beat his team, and then at the end I want to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Why didn't you stay together and just do take everything from them? Like, do you ever think that could have been us? We could have won five in a row, and we could have done it on the back of Rich Froning. I mean, it would have been vicious. So, first, walk me back to the creation of this team. Had what year was it that you you won the games? And had Rich's team won it the year before? They won it. They won it the two years before. They won okay. it in fifteen and sixteen. Fifteen. Okay. It was like, was that an accident? Did Rich really know they were going to win? Right. If you remember, go oh, back. That was and look a Jason Kalipa Miranda thing. Like they kind of got Correct. lucky that Miranda got injured. Yeah, but they but they finished in a way. I mean, they earned it, right? But they because yeah. they, they were not winning, and in those three back to back one hundred point scores or whatever it was, six back to back, it was some crazy finale where it was like six hundred points were on the the board, and each person went through a workout individually, um, and and they closed the gap and won it. But then in sixteen, they had this obnoxious victory that was just like, oh, no one's even on the same level as these guys. Like that was crazy. Um, so in seventeen was the year that we had a team. Um, and in 16 for me as an individual, so 15, I went individual 16. I, I missed out on qualifying by a few points in the super South. Um, who, 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 what they took seven and you were eight. No, they took, they took five, I think. Yep. What number were you? Six. Oh, six or seven. Who was five? Maybe Sean Sweeney. Oh man. Yep. And then, but it was like me and easy. Me and Easy both, I think that year, like we were six and seven and we had almost like the same score. So either way, I, I remember that very vividly, but also to my friends. So Michaela North and, and Mandy Janowitz um, were both going into all three of them. Actually, Mandy Janowitz, Tiffany Hendrickson and Michaela North, all three women that would go on to be on our team, went individual that year in the Super South. None qualified. Michaela North was on the podium, got the belt. She was about to be a rookie individual competitor coming from our, our affiliate. And uh, they took it away from her because there was a no rep that something got weird happened on that legless. It was a thruster legless rope climb finale. And she was on the podium going to the games and then they took it away from her. And because what they cha- what they chose to or what they changed in the score, it, it bumped her out of going to the games altogether. Holy shit. Holy shit. So 
point that I'm I, re- I remember I remember that workout. That workout was crazy. I remember was wild, seeing, I remember seeing it in Del Mar in San Diego. Okay, go on. And uh was so Tommy was, did Tommy qualify that year? Uh 16. I think Tommy was on a team. Okay. I I, th- I think Tommy was on a team. Yeah. I could be wrong. He might not have competed that year, actually. 15 might have been one of his last years of being on a team. Um, because in 14, of course, he went and got sixth. And then 15, I think he went team again. And I think maybe they finished third that year. Um, but nonetheless, we decided to put the team together. And it was like shortly after that. Like, so regionals wrapped up. All there of us were five people on the team that year, Adrian? Six. Six. Yeah, yeah. Five others. Five others. So okay. Brennan Fjord was one oh, of the males. That's right. That's right. Uh, Mitch Spute was our other male. And then those three women, Michaela North, Tiffany Hendrickson, and Mandy Janowitz. Um, and we decided we were going to go team probably just two months after that. So we had a long trajectory and a long time to plan it. It was just after the games had finished, whenever that was. And we watched, uh, we watched Mayhem dominate as badly as they did. And that was in 2016 that they dominated 15, right. 16, 15. They, okay. And then, so, and then, so you, as you start, when you get on this team, do you guys know you're good right away? Yeah, it's the reason that we came together to do it. So for sure. I mean, look, Tiffany Hendrickson had finished 11th at the games before. Uh-huh. Mandy Janowitz had finished 20, I want to say 24th at the games before as an individual. And then uh, Michaela North was the one right there knocking at the door the previous year. So I knew the key to having good success on a team because I, I was on Hacks Pack, So we won it in 2012 and 2013 already. I knew how to construct a good team because I watched Tommy do it. And I was there and, and we grinded for two years and all of us in our training, even in 2012 and 2013 was way ahead of the curve. We'd so always train team victories. You have three golds as a team. Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so 12 and 13 were, were both like not even close. Like we, we killed everyone. Right. But it's cause we were just ahead of the curve. We wanted to bring good athletes together, create like this housing for them so we can compete, get games experience. But for me, I also just wanted to go individual one day and we had several other athletes in the same boat. So to fast forward, I, I kind of knew the inner workings of how to put all this stuff together, in my opinion. And I knew that our three women that we were bringing to the team were going to be superior. I knew that I was pretty well-rounded, and I knew the work that it entailed to, to get a team there and to have high success. Brennan Fjord is one of the most physically gifted athletes that I've ever worked with in my entire life. Um, and ha- high-level capacity, high-level strength. You know what hangs him up is just skill development and time under tension. He needed more time with the gymnastics coach um, to really be top tier elite. Um, and then Mitch Spute was a rookie, altogether rookie. This was a, an affiliate member at Wasatch who I who told me that the year before he's like, "Hey Adrian, I want to compete at this sport." And I was like, "Cool, man. Well, come meet me at a Saturday uh, session and workout." He showed up, and then he showed up with me every single day until we went to the CrossFit Games a year and a half later. Wow. So. He fits that he fit. He did what that post said. He was fanatical, completely fanatical. He, he sh- cut, shut down the rest of his life. Correct. Like, in, in fact, I told him I tried to give him a hard way. I was like, hey, man, come train with me on Saturday morning early. He showed up and did it. Then I was like, hey, man, what you need to first do is go to the affiliate class minimum three days a week. So he went to the 6 a.m. class three days a week. And he did that for the next several months. And then he could start to come add in training with me and the other competitors. But first I needed to see him chase intensity, learn how to scale, learn from a coach day to day. And then he could start jumping in on what we were doing. And when you mean you went at him at a hard way, meaning, oh, now that I'm looking at this picture of your team, I, I recognize the girls. 
yep, I know who all these people are. I just need to see the faces. I Meaning, when you said you went at him in a hard way, um, you you were trying to prune him. Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna haze him a little bit. I'm gonna make this. I'm not gonna make this easy for him. Let's see what he's made of. Yes. And and I knew that he was a hard worker, right? Because I'd actually coached him when he was in high school. He was a football player and a wrestler. And I did performance enhancement and speed and agility coaching for him years before he reached out to me about this CrossFit thing. And so um, it was one of those deals where it was just like, I, I wanted him to pay his dues with really learning the ins and outs of CrossFit. You do that best in the class. And then he started to you know, get after it with us from a competitive standpoint and really refine where he was weak and come on up. But that year he also wasn't our planned sixth person. Like this is as the season's unfolding when we, when we really got down to it, cause you know, there's some real hard conversations you got to have with people like, Hey man, if you can't train like this six days a week, like the rest of us are training, don't, don't pretend to be on our team because I'm going to reach out to you and I'm going to also look at what you're doing. And I'm going to say like, Hey man, you're not carrying your weight. And the last thing I want is to show up at regionals in may and not win every single first place at the super South. And it's your fault. Because I'm going to say that it was your fault. And like, that's just that, like, th that's literally how we carried ourselves as a team that year. Were you and, the leader of the team, Adrian? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that was by, that was by, I mean, we got help. So Nick Fowler, mm -hmm. um, who, you know, worked with Roman for a long time, worked with Carl Saunders, worked with, with many different athletes that, you know, have done some well, amazing things. Year she killed it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so everybody that kind of came up through that, that brute, uh, early brute, you know, revolution. Um, he helped us. We each followed our own individual program, but then we, we would train together. And I kind of shot away from being the team leader by like title because I think that in all my years of leading, like being a captain on the football team and all that stuff, like people choose you to lead, you don't choose to lead. Right. So I wasn't going to fake it and be like, yo, well, I'm, I'm the one that got the most experience. I've been to the CrossFit games. Like none of that matters to me. I think the best leader should lead. And I think the, the rest of the team identifies that and then not necessarily falls in line, but it's just, it's what happens. And I remember one vividly, like one, one Saturday, we had a big team session and uh, it was, it was fun because when we trained as a team, we would always do stuff that made it really hard on us. So for example, we would do worm work, but we wouldn't know what we were going to do with the worm until the coach told us what he wanted us to do. So Nick might be there and he'd be like 20 push press, go. We do it. We'd have to keep it on our shoulder. He'd go like 15 thrusters. Go. We got to do it. Keep it on our shoulder. 10 forward lunges. Go. And then, you know, after all that fatigue, people are starting to look around. Someone's shaking in the back, kind of whining like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. And you're just like, okay, hey, let's go. We got to do it. And we would just fall to shambles, but we would find our threshold doing that style of training. And it wasn't super often that we did. But there was a Saturday where it was really obvious. People mother effing each other, running in from a run like, hey, pick up the effing sandbag, you know. Brennan, love you. He had some moments on one of these Saturdays where it was like we were all just kind of freaking out. And I don't really say much. I'm just doing the work. Um, but some of them were being very verbal. And so it was obvious that Saturday we needed to have more formal leadership. And so that's when I kind of was like, okay. And Nick basically told me like, hey, man, you're, you're the guy. You got to do it. And I was like, cool. So then from then on out, it was like I, I kind of wore that hat and did that for our team. Um, but, yeah, I, I never – I mean, even – all, every leadership role that I found myself in throughout the course of my life, it, it's not something that I've ever asked for. <laughs> Again, I think it's cool and it's fun. Like you, you shared even being a father, like it's cool, but, um, I really also like just doing work. Yeah. Yeah. Like shutting yeah, off my brain yeah, and doing work. And yeah, when you're a leader, yeah, you can't yeah, just do that. Yeah.
Um, I realized what I'm really good at is picking a leader. Mm. I'm really good at picking a leader. I'm really, and, 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 and so I'm really good at leading myself. I'm really good at like finding people like, okay, I can, this motherfucker is going to take me to the promised land. Um, so, so you got, does the team know, does mayhem have a target on its back? Like with oh, you guys, are you guys like, do you guys talk? Is Are there, you guys talk to like, hey, we have to beat this fucking team. It's them. It's us and them. Is it basically you and them and then the rest of the people are just, just, just cannon fodder? Just like, yes. <laughs> yeah, no one else, no one else was relevant. Yeah. Right. Team, like no one else, in my mind, no one else is relevant, but you got to understand, man, like I'm a nerd about this sport. I love it. Yeah. I've loved it from the time. And Rich was Michael Jordan to me and he always will be of this sport. So when I came in, he lost a gram in 2010. Then I was like, oh, man, I want to throw down with these guys and be a part of that. I watched him win in 2011, and I watched everything about the dude in, in between the time. You know what I mean? So, like, I knew how he trained. I knew how he moved. I knew how people that followed him moved. And so I was like, cool. What I want to do is put together a team that doesn't move like that. I want to put together a team that actually sprints and goes fast. So typically, Rich is very methodical, and, and you can't keep up with him because he's so technically proficient. He never slows. So the only way that we could put together a team is I needed to have people that were willing to suffer way more than they were going to be willing to suffer because we had to find our advantage in the margins of workouts. So in transitions, you know, we weren't just going to do 20 thrusters. We had to do 20 thrusters as fast as we could and 50 GHD sit-ups as fast as we could. Not the sexy, steady, never slowing. Like, yes, we weren't going to slow, but also we needed to go fast. So when I thought about, you know, how we trained and what we did, like that was our psychological like challenge every day was move with speed and aggressiveness because that was the only way we had a chance. So we certainly knew what they were capable of. I mean, down to the, like I had these matchups, I, I matched up our six against their six who would go against who, if they asked that of us, because in 2012, we we won the CrossFit games. We, we were killing everyone. And then Dave reset everybody at zero. And then we all had to do a girl workout. And whoever won that final workout won the CrossFit Games. And I was like, if this happens, how are we going to play this out? Who's doing what workout? What if the workouts are different? Whose strengths and weaknesses line up? Like, I, I, I geek out on this stuff, man, because, you know, I, I remember that's how I played football, too. Right. Like I watched more film than my peers. I, I paid attention to the details. I, you know, and that's the same way I attack CrossFit. So, so the games start and it's the 2017 games and it starts. And can you kind of walk me through the, the week? Yeah. The, the, how, sure. how many, how many workouts is it? I don't remember. Sadly. <laughs> and, and, that's okay. And um, so right off the bat, do you guys have a, a good lead? Does it come down to the final workout? Um, We don't have a good lead. They start beating us on a run, swim, run, but we got like fifth. So I knew it was great. Right. Because I, I knew that they ran a good bit, a good bit. Um, and that they swam pretty, pretty phenomenally. And we had two pretty, very weak swimmers on our team. So for us to fare that well, I was like, cool, we got this. But before the competition even started, man, there was some psychological stuff that was going on where we got to, um, we got to demo an obstacle course. Okay. And during the demo of this obstacle course, there were some very emotional. Dave took the teams out there and said, okay, guys, play with the equipment because this is coming up. Yep. Okay. So Dave took the teams out. We got to run at it. And there were some emotions on the floor for their team. 
and then you know specifically i'm talking about mayhem and i pulled our team together and i let them know and recognize that when pressure is high they will struggle oh so you saw a chink in their armor even just like warming up like you saw like someone complaining or something and you're like oh 100 oh, okay 100 okay and, and, and here it out to your team their weakness yeah and it's like here, here's what i always understand too is like if guess what Savon, if I was on Rich's team, you know how tight my butthole would be every time I went up to line up for a lift, bro? Right, Because right. of how afraid I'd be to let him down. Right, right. So do you think that I knew that they felt that pressure? 100%. Right. So I felt like if we could even be close to them through the weekend, that it would create such a – because they're – I. Oh, Rich, they're not only losing, but they're letting Rich down. So they got to keep their head on a swivel. They're looking at the scoreboard and they're looking at their leader. Like that's that's hundred yeah, percent true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. almost and every day in every life, if you have a boss and you're like not performing well, you look at the butt. You're like, yeah, yeah. Is, is he going to let me go right now? So it's just like these these natural things that happen psychologically. I was I was very aware of, but nonetheless, we do this we do this run through, and there's emotion even before we compete. Like no pressure, and something didn't go well, and and you physically see emotion, tears, crying, and I'm like, oh, that is. That is not good, right? And what I'd always hope to foster is like, even though if I'm the leader of this team, if something ain't going good and, and there's no number by it, it doesn't matter. Like, chill out. Who cares? Like, let that go. It's not embarrassing to me. It's not embarrassing to our team. You're going to step up and you're going to thrive when it's game time. Right, right. And so I, anyways, there seemed to be a gap there for, for you know, them. And we start with the run, swim, run, and we kind of stay close there. And then I think we had a really bad finish in, an Amanda style workout where we did squat snatches and ring muscle ups. Like the men on our team, we got several no reps. The rings were swinging. We got behind. I think we got like a 20, man, it might've been like 23rd or something place like bad, bad. But then our females killed it and got like a top five finish, I think. So it kind of balanced it out. And av after we got through those two tests, relatively unscathed, um, I knew that anytime we had the worm, we had to win. Like we had to beat them. And so that was our, that was our next focus. And I also knew that anything with big Bob, when it came to straight work capacity, no skills, um, high output that we could win all of those events as well. So we just really had to handle business and staying close in the workouts that didn't involve the worm and the big Bob. And we had to win those events that did. Oh, you can't even believe there's a leaderboard here. This is awesome. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the second event, you got a 26 and they got a fifth. Oh, that hurts. There you go. But then look what the women did for us. So that, that was the difference maker. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. On the next one. Okay. You got a first, they got a seventh. Okay. And you knew that going in that you had chosen great women. Oh, I they were the yeah, they, they were the they're the fittest three women that ever competed on a team together. Not even oh, close. I love it. I love it. Wow. And then, and then, uh, and then you come down to, so, so when you go into the final event, oh my goodness, listen, the, 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 the fourth to last event, you got a first, they got a second, the third to last event, you got a first, they got a second, the second to last event, they got a third, you got a second, the last event, you got a third, they got a second. So you didn't let them put any room. Right. Yeah. Miserable now going, for them. Going Man, they the must be like, what the fuck? We're doing everything we can. Yeah. And, and in respect to Rich, he literally approached me um, like after the, I think it might have been the room, worm rotation row or the burpee litter. It was the burpee litter uh, workout because um, they edged us out in that. I, and, and if you, you should go back and watch this video. Yeah. So throughout the whole CrossFit Games and the history of team sports, Savon, the person that wears the chip had to be the last person across the finish line. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Up yeah, until yeah. this point. 
Yep, yep. Rich wore the chip for his team. There was a girl that wore the chip for our team. And I'm, you know, lagging back, or maybe I wore the chip. I I forget. Either way, it was a mistake. This is on me. I take this. We were we led them and and we were winning. I slowed down to make sure someone passed me on my team because I knew all six members had to be past the finish line. Then I ran past the finish line. Right. Rich sp sprinted and left everyone else in the dust on his team to cross the finish line. But we'd never seen that before. We'd never seen up until that point that everyone hadn't had to be on the finish line. Then the chip timer went on the finish line. Right. So that's that was a really silly assumption that I made, I guess. And uh, and immediately rich come like he he sprints past and then starts pointing over to me with it and he's pointing at his chip like i got the chip and i was like no no like i'm like yelling across the floor nah that's bs like that doesn't count and i'm looking at dave and i'm like my hands are up in the air like what's going on i here? think i remember this <laughs> yes so it was it was funny and that was like the most emotional moment i had of the whole weekend but and then they didn't beat you by uh one exactly one second which would you exactly yeah right yeah so, so it really you, changed so me you would have just run across instead of waiting I was, for your team to oh stop. bro I was I was I was so upset about that. But after that event though, Rich that's when Rich came up to me and he was like, Hey man, you guys, you guys got a really fit six. And I think it was in like he kind of knew there wasn't much they could do at that point because they cut down to 10 teams for the final. And so we knew all we had to do while we're out there is we're just gonna stay close to these guys on the final. Oh, yeah, and I, yeah, I literally yeah. told our team to take the floor and enjoy the moment. Yeah, and, awesome. Yeah, so it was cool. Wow. Uh, in, in look at in CrossFit OC3 beat Rich's team in that workout by a minute. Holy shit. Yeah, they and they're the, and they're the only two that finished. Mhm. Mm now, why does the team break up? Do you guys well, know going into that season, hey, this is only a one-year thing? Yeah, we did. Oh, we man. did. So, I think that's part of the reason that we were able to do it is because we had that mindset. It was like Go big or go home, win or nothing. I mean, and we talked about that a lot. We put pressure on ourselves intentionally that way. It was, we had shirts made that, that said, stop the mayhem, hashtag stop the mayhem. I don't know if you remember this. Jason Kalipa wrote on his on his wall, what's Rich doing, right? Yeah, and then, yeah, And then yeah. Rich made the whole programming based off of that. Well, some of the guys at, at Brute Strength initially, when we started this thing, I think it was Mike Kazu, he, uh, <laughs> he made shirts that say, what's Rich doing and crossed it out. And then it said, hashtag stop the mayhem. Oh yeah, um, I like it. So it, it was it was again a fun a fun deal that we had that put pressure on us and publicly, of course, it was on social media and so people were giving us a hard time. How dare them challenge the champ and all this? So it made it all uh, that much more sweet. But good drama. It, yeah, it was it was it was very good drama, man. But it was the year that we snuck in and you know snuck in and upset the world and and shocked the world. So it was it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, that's for sure. Did you consider staying together? The next year they beat Invictus by 112 points. I know, but they went to four teams, four four team members as well, right? And so, so that final year, Savon, my son was born, um, like a month before regionals. I didn't really want to compete anymore, seriously. Once I started having a family, just because of psychologically the way I would approach training, the way I would approach programming, and staying in contact with my teammates. Like it was a piece of me that was there doing the thing. I wanted to be all in. Um, and so when my son was born and we started our family, I wanted to take more of my time and my availability to coaching and creating a lifestyle that was going to help support, you know, my, my time with him, to be honest. Right. Like I'd always gotten advice about, you know, when you got kids, when they're young, man, you got to steal their time and abuse their time. And, um, I, uh, 
I try to do that as much as I, I could. But like I mentioned to you, man, we were all, all six of us were in it for that one year. And, you know, Michaela North was pregnant at the CrossFit Games that year, and she didn't find out till after they were wow. they were done. Wow. Um, yeah. So that, that she was about to have her third child. Uh, Tiffany Henderson already had three children. Um, so it was for, for all of us, it was just time and place, time and place to be to be packing it up. Do you like what you did this year at the games? Do you like being part of the broadcast team? Oh, now what I did this year at the games, not my favorite. I did interviews. Mm -hmm. I don't mind interviews. I love being down there with you and the other guys and like rubbing shoulders in the, in the, in the warm up area. Yeah. Like that stuff I love. I'd love to yeah. do that, but then yeah. I'd love to still be able to hop on the mic and do like commentary. Like live commentary. Yeah. Com yeah. commentary or or like a desk a desk show where i get to share my thoughts about the athletes that's what really fills my cup is mm -hmm. like making predictions and doing things about you know their performance and breaking breaking that down like i mm -hmm. love that stuff um you know if you can't tell them I, I i geek out on it it's the same reason that i i knew know so much about the way teams train and the way they prepare and how we were going to find victory in the margins and all that kind of good stuff is because you know i'm a student of the game um so i do love it and i'm actually getting ready to commentate rogue so uh, you are commentating um, rogue? who are yep. you doing that with you and sean who are you doing? wow and i did that last year so this is my second year wow that's awesome have, have you ever commentated the games no um okay. so i got it so the the first opportunity by the way that didn't mean to shit on you by the way commentating rogue is, is is crazy honor i didn't mean it to those questions to be back to back to be juxtapositioned like no that. i get it man you're saying like i'm just nothing you know what I'm saying? Basically, <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. Uh, no, listen, listen, my, my, listen, dude, uh, working for Bill and Katie is like working for fucking being on the team with Rich. Your butthole better be tight. Oh, oh, you already Fresh know. I, yeah, those guys are serious as a heart attack. So, it's so serious I, as I a heart attack. Commentating look, Rogue's the A team. Yeah, look at, look at what they've built, man. I, I, yeah. and I went in last year completely naive, man. And I say that because so my whole involvement on the media side of this was that Chase Ingram invited me to do some podcasting with him on the CrossFit Games podcast. He was just like, Hey man, I know, you know, I know, you know, some stuff about the sport. Come, come help me recap a couple events. And we did this through the year of like 2021. Like we, we like recapped rogue and recapped Wadapalooza, some random stuff on the CrossFit Games podcast. And then, um, they invited me to commentate at the Atlas games in Canada that year. So this is before the 2022 CrossFit games. That was my first and only experience commentating. The first, the first night wraps and I was getting calls from some of the producers, people that I don't know who they are, people that oversee certain media stuff at CrossFit. I don't know who they are. And they're like, Hey, great job. You know, um, if you like this stuff, stick with it, learn the craft and, you know, maybe more opportunities will appear. And I was like, awesome. I, I loved it. And, um, I, I did get invited to participate in the games that year. And I was on a desk show called day at the games, um, with Tommy Marquez and Annie Sakamoto. So that's not commentary. That's when we're like out on the field before and after the events. Recap. That's 2022 stuff. now. Yes, sir. Okay. 2022. Um, and then after the games are wrapping, um, Katie kind of gave me the nudge and was like, "Hey, do you you know maybe keep some dates open in October?" Because we were we ran into each other in the back, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, "Okay." And I was so ignorant. I was like, "Wait, what's in October?" In my head, I'm like, "Wait, what's in October?" But I know she said it to me, so I'm like, I'm gonna keep some dates open. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever it is, <laughs> that's it. Camping trips, serve you sandwiches. You know what I mean? Put some gym equipment together. I'm there, Katie. I'll, I'll be there. Yeah, um, yeah. so I, I looked up and I was like, okay, that's when the Rogue Invitational is, and I and I pieced together because of course I'd watched it every year and knew everything about it. I just didn't know when and where it was at the time. So, 
I, I, I get the call to, to go there and do the commentary before that last year, my only experience doing commentary work was at the Atlas games because it was so different at the games. Right. So anyways, I got, I got on the, on the, the game and, and did the deal um, for the rogue invitational last year, which was a huge honor. Um, and I loved every moment of it. I love, I love that competition from start to finish and the way they put it all together. It's, it's ridiculous. If and Sean only, knows his shit, he's easy just to assimilate with, right? He's smooth operator. He, he's so smooth, man. He's so yeah. smooth and so professional and he is so good at what he does and understanding timing mm -hmm. and placement and, and, and when to get up and get loud and when to sit down and be calm. And so I, I, I try to pick up on so much of that stuff. I take notes constantly because I'm, I'm a rookie at this, man. I know nothing except I know the sport. I do know the sport. So that's the only thing that gives me comfort is that like, I know the sport. I just need to know how to help you feel like, you know, more about the sport Savon, Right. But also you, and also the person who's brand new to CrossFit that doesn't know what a thruster is. Right. 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 So course. there's that fine balance of trying to bring like that level one kernel to commentary and also this expert level of like geek out knowledge to commentary. So I'm still working on refining that man, but yeah, I'm getting ready to go and do it uh, this year um, again at Rogue. But my 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 role at the games this year was very different. Now, I will say I got to flex my commentary muscles for one day because Chase had the had the uh, oh, oh. He, he had the raspy voice, man. So he, right. he was sick a little bit, went down on the IR and I got to come in. So I got to cover the uh, that interval workout, if you remember that at the games. Uh -huh, uh -huh, so I just uh -huh. ran up. And and stood in his place with Sean during the interval workout, the out and back with the rower, burpee, box jump overs, and box jump overs, and then the clean and jerk event that night. You also got to at the semifinals, which what I thought was absolutely fa fascinating, and work with Jason. You and Jason oh, did yeah. the. That was a trip watching you two go together. That may have been the most enjoyable commentary I've ever heard for any sport. Maybe because I like both you guys too, but that was nuts and you kind of let him control the energy. And when he took it through the roof, you just got up there with them. Was that weird at first? Were you like, what the fuck's this guy doing? Like, I mean, no one brings that energy to any sports commentating. It was like nut. And I'm like, fuck, Adrian's going to get up there with them. Oh yeah. No, like, you I, guys I, sung a duet. I was like, what the hell is going on here? No, that was, that was some of the most fun that I've had. And it was because of how loose we could be right. Yeah. The freedom there. To let Jay, because you Jason's guys were out of Jason. your seats, kind of like oh, we were the whole time, bro. each other and shit, and like, the whole time, the yeah, whole time, yeah. And and I and I think, of course, that energy one carries into the spectatorship. So hopefully, down the road in different places, those activations are going to have some really cool value. Dude, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was, people were going nuts. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad yeah, that they enjoyed yeah. it. But you yeah. know, Jason Savon, Jason is, you know, he rolls out of bed, and that's just the energy that he has. Right? Were you like, nervous that it was going that way? That it was getting too loose and too wild? Were you like, wow, no. this is some vulnerable shit? No, no because good. And, and, and here's here's what I, here's the reason I'll say that is because they were like, hey, this isn't this isn't broadcast. Yeah. Like this should be like a podcast, like you guys hanging out. And I've watched the Manning cast enough, right? I've watched these other, you know, um, the shop, the bronze show on Thursday night football. Like I've seen people do this and they're just kind of kicked back, talking what they want to talk. Um Yes, trying to bring still value to what's on the screen competition wise, but being more relevant to the audience. So I, I really love that. And I'd love to do that and then engage with the people watching and in the chat. Like that's that's the fun stuff right there for me. Um, I think you are the most uh, in the space. You you are probably one of the most natural. You're, you're, it's very it's very it's, it's bizarre to me to think that that was your first uh, last year at Rogue was your first besides Atlas Games. It's nuts. Yeah, you're, you're natural. This is you're made for this. Whatever you've done building up to this, yeah, you're doing it. 
probably all that L1 training. Did you give lectures? At, did you do lectures at the L1? Oh, yeah. Oh, what yeah. are your lectures? What were your lectures? Uh, what is CrossFit, nutrition, programming, all the movements, everything. I still I still haven't given um, what is fitness. And I still haven't given technique and intensity. Everything else I give. So you've never had a, a real, you never worked at like McDonald's? You never had a real job? Never. Never. I, never the, worked the, at the, Starbucks or like you were never, a server or nothing? Never. Never was a phone call operator? Never did, uh, um, no. No. Parents told me that when I was in high school, um, as long as I was in sports, that I didn't have to work. Yeah. So they'd, they'd give me enough money to go see the movie or put some gas in the car um, to drive to my friend's house, but that I didn't, I didn't have to work. And so I didn't. And then I went to college right away to go play college football. And the, the only, the only technical real job that I had was one summer. I was a teacher's aide for kids in the summer that were getting in trouble during the school year that needed to go back to, to get some more grade grade stuff in, you know, in, in and what was the subject? Well, it was just elementary school. So these kids were third, third graders. They were so bad in the third grade that they had to go to summer school. Yep. And it was in a, it was, you know, a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood, um, here in Ogden, Utah. Um, so it was, it was quite the experience. I learned a lot there too. What are you? What, what ethnicities are you? I'm half black, half white. Uh, my mom is black. My dad is white. And because my father didn't know his father, um, it turns out that I am also, Hispanic. My, my dad's dad's last name was, um, Hernandez. So when, when you say, so when you say, what did your dad look like? Did he look like he was Latin? He looked like a tan white boy. Yeah. He looked, he, he, he had, he, he was, he was pretty dark skinned. Um, I'd say his complexion was just a little bit lighter than yours. Um, but if he was in the sun, man, it was, he, he would, he would brown very well. And your mom, do you know where she's from? From like, do you know where she? she no, you how? Nope. No, as far as you know, her people. You don't know when her people came to the United States of America. I do not. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, lately, it's been a, a crazy. I, I've, I always have tripped, and I don't know why more people don't trip. I've always tripped on Mexican, because I, sh I should probably Google it and do some research and become a fucking scholar in it. But like, probably four hundred years ago, there was no such thing as a Mexican, right? There mm. were fucking Native Americans there who were probably some descendants of Chinese, right? Little Chinese people. They came here. They were here long enough. They started getting darker and darker and looking more like the, well, whatever, Aztecs and shit. And, and, then, and then the Spaniards came. Some Europeans came and had sex with them. And, and that's our, that's our, and then they got their own name, Mexican. That's, like three, that's not even like three or 400 years old. They're like brand new to the planet. Whereas like, whereas like my tribe, Armenian, those fuckers been inbreeding on some mountainside forever. <laughs> You know, yeah. And the reason why it's kind of popped in my head is because I'm trying to figure out where these Palestinian people came from. I'm like, are 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 they new? Are they are are them and the Jews the same people? Are they mm. like, like I'm reading this book about gangs in um, in the Bay Area, in the Norteños and Serenos, and they're fucking. They're both Mexican. We already know that's not very old, a couple hundred years old. But one of them were like farming Mexicans, and one of them were city Mexicans, and they broke off into two rival gangs. I'm like I'm like fuck. Is that what's going on in the in in, uh, in Gaza? They're they're all just Jews, but they just fucking broke off into their factions and now they're fighting. Like, do we learn nothing? It's it's like the same pattern over and over, just everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. So I'm always I'm always curious where um, people come from. Um, do you think that um, as as a Christian, do you ever think back? Oh, it's just um, 
there's no there, there were just two people it was just adam and eve and we all come from them like there had to be some incest like we're all just from those two people yeah i do that's how you think of it to think of it yep and then we multiplied yep and then we multiply yeah it's wild isn't it it's very wild we're all it kind of makes so much of like the familial stuff irrelevant if we're all if those are all if if Adam and Eva are, are the great, 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 you know, uh, grandfather and mother. They would be very disappointed if they saw us fighting like this. Oh, yeah. No, no I mean, one wants I mean, to see their kids fight. No one wants to see their kids fight. No, and it, and it even That's goes further beyond Adam and Eve. It's like the, the God thing. If you perceive God as a father yeah, and he is the creator and allowed whatever he did mm -hmm. to spawn life and create life and multiply life, like how heartbroken he would be over the things that we've been doing since the beginning of time, man, time after time, man in, in itself is always filled with, with selfishness and greed. And, um, when we don't have any governor or anything that we look to as a higher power to guide our choices and, and it can't just be anything, right? Because clearly there are people who are willing to die and kill for their gods. Right. 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 And so because of that, that's, that's where we get a lot of the war that we see. Uh, I, I appreciate you coming on, dude. Great, great to great to chat with you. Uh, I, I, you are a. Uh, I, I suspect I would love to have you on again and, and and get to know you more. You, you, I suspect you're a Renaissance man, and we didn't even scratch the surface. I, I love it. the The thing is, is, uh, you have the supplement company. You're an L one trainer. You're a father. You're uh, a commentator. Like I, I, I feel like we live similar lives. We just put we just work, put our head down, work, keep putting uh, cookies in the oven. In every oven we see, and eventually some come out good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wherever we are, or irons in the fire, or cookies in the oven. Yeah, you're a good dude, man. I appreciate it, bro. I'm glad you yeah. had me on, man. It's fun. It's fun chatting with you. Yeah, you're a good dude in this space. The space is lucky to have you. Oh man, that's that's very encouraging. I appreciate you saying that about me. Are you going to Rogue? Are you doing anything I'm, over? I'm, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do it from here. Okay. Um. Uh. You know what? I'm gonna watch all the events, and as soon as they turn their cameras off, I'm gonna try to milk their viewers. Hey, I know the and, game. I know the then, game. And then try to uh, seduce uh, Katie to come on every single night and, uh, and and share some of her star power with my station and, uh, you know, ask her some questions, bug her, irritate her. Whatever, whatever you can to produce value. Listen, yeah. value. But yeah. but real quick, yeah. Savan, before yeah. I leave, how epic is the showdown that's about to go down at Rogue? That's my that's the thing. Uh, I'll, I'll, Tia coming back, Laura having a chip on her shoulder, trying to defend and, and rightfully justify her title as fittest on earth, right? Like, you know, she's feeling all that. Oh, I just can't. Roman, Jeff, come on. Let, let, let me ask you this then. Um, the th people just keep saying to me, so so on one hand, I'm hearing um, uh, Tia's just coming to, to see what she needs to work on for the games. And then other awesome. people are like, dude, you're a fucking idiot. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you never played sports, did you? I'm like, uh-uh. Ate cookies at home. They're like, that bitch ain't coming back to except to fucking eat women and children and tear shit down. It's like, that's a champion. She doesn't do anything to test anything. She's going to come out there breathing fire. Would you have, do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I agree with it. Go, go listen to the, the talking elite fitness podcast. She, uh, she says, I, when I compete, I have a job to do uh, and it's to win. So yeah. she, she perceives this, she's on a different level, man. And you yeah. can't say that unless you've won multiple titles. Right. But she, Oh yeah. I can't even fathom her. What right. So she mind. shows up for one thing. It's not to compete. It's not to learn. It's to win. That's her job. And she identifies that as her job. So will she learn? Absolutely. But will she be there to learn and experience? No, not at all. She'll be there to win that large, uh, 
purse and to take home, you know, first place. She didn't get to compete last year, right? She sat out. Yeah, yeah. So Laura, Laura took it. She watched Laura win the CrossFit Games. Oh, she ain't showing up just to just to just to knock off the rust. And and, and Laura is as fierce as they come. Absolutely, she is. Which only leads me to believe that we are going to see one of the greatest matchups, like getting the best out mm -hmm. of these women. Now, mm -hmm. I know Tia still hasn't had the time to really be at the peak of her physical prowess, but from a psychological and an emotional standpoint, these women are going to be tuned in, like top level, tuned in, given all they got all the time. Because the way Laura is wired, and and I'm just looking from the outside in, man. She don't hop on no podcasts I got. I don't see her hopping on all kinds of podcasts right here. Like, has she, have you had her on an episode yet? I had her on once. And then when I text her again to see if she'd come on again, she goes, uh, who is this? She there said, how did you get my number? There you go. <laughs> That's how she responds. I'm like, Laura, will you come on my podcast? How did you get my number? <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I think that says a lot about her focus and her tenacity. And you see it. Yeah. You see it on social media. You see it on the competition floor. Yeah. Um, she's going to have a chip on her shoulder, man. She's the fittest woman in the world, and rightly so. Like, she earned that title. But for her personally, do you think that she really owns that with, with Tia's absence? Like, I think she wants an opportunity to prove it. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, with, she, with everybody out there. Yeah. No matter how, whether she's scared or not scared, she's in, she's completely embraced the moment. She's ready to just throw a brick on the gas pedal and, and ram Tia as hard as she can. Yeah, just just like a true tramp should. Yep, yeah, that's two right. Rams are gonna battle. Um, who do you think wins? I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that I'm gonna leave that up in the air. I think that. Laura. I think Laura wins. I think okay. Laura wins, and it goes into the games as the. the I, I think we get two of the biggest showdowns in the history of. No, not two of the biggest. The two biggest showdowns in the history of the sport. There will this row will be the biggest showdown. I think you're right. I think don't I don't think that's uh hyperbole. This is the bit the biggest showdown ever. And I think at the games we'll get the other one. Why can't you tell me who you, you pick? Because you think it's unprofessional because you're the commentator? I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that it's just it's better for me to cover it with a neutral perspective. Now I'll tell you who I think yeah. is favored in every test. I'll tell you who I think, you know, once information comes out, I'll make I'll make like, hey, so and so should do good here and so and so should not do good here. But yeah, from a from me from a covering perspective, I'll save it. I'll save most of my, you know, opinions until after it's done. Or hey, if you ever have me on and I'm not covering an event, I'd I'd love to give you my 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 picks and in what order. Yeah. Uh, um how, how about let me, let me just push you a little bit further. People are going to yell at me in the comments for pushing you. If if she, if Laura wins, um, if, if Tia wins, people are going to be like, "Yeah, Tia would have won the games." If Laura wins, people are still going to say Tia um, wasn't a hundred percent, and that's why I think that it's. That's why I mean. I, I, I think Laura's going to win, and I want Laura to win so that we can continue the drama and the pressure and the interest in the sport. Do you like that narrative? You, let me I, not, not that I'm saying you're going to pick who's going to win, no. but do you like the narrative that Laura wins and that we get to see another showdown at the game? Do you like that? I think it could be very <laughs> cool, man. I think it could be very cool. And, and don't, don't listen. You don't got to worry about pushing me because I'm going to stay right where I'm at. But okay. I won't make a pick, but I will say that if – Laura wins. It only brings more question and more of a reason for us to stay really, really closely tied to the storyline throughout the season. If Tia wins, then the people just kind of lay off and they're like, yeah, see, yeah. yeah, yeah, see, we told you. Right. But the beauty is that we don't know. And we can't wait to find out here just in a couple of weeks. Let me show you something else. Um, uh Oh, let me show you this. Why is Laura, what, what, what is Laura doing with her social media here? Let me show you this. This, um, 
this uh she did um this the posting this what is she, this is a week ago like she knows the chatter right she knows the chatter that hey man like she's she's the she might be the greatest ever but she got a hole so big that it's like we're never gonna know is this her like is this for us is this for her why post this uh i, I think she on the uh, yeah, I, I do think it's for the viewers, but I think that it's there's some momentum that you can build personally. Like, uh, here, let me show you. Like, let yeah. me show you what I'm capable of. And then when she takes that in her mind, it's going to justify and or prepare her or put more pressure on her when it's time to perform. And I, I like to see this because me what it, it does for us is it speculate, right? We speculate. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe if they did the dumbbell snatch with strict handstand push up workout again, the snatch and press workout for a third time, maybe she'd nail it. But here's also what I'll tell you, Swan, is last year she told Kiki Dixon before she took the floor that she was going to do all 27 this year, last year, and she didn't. Parallel strict handstand push-ups, right? So when I see posts like this, I'm like, cool, show me when it counts because in training, none of the reps count. Mm. So I can't wait. Yeah. And I hope they're there. And I hope she I hope she kicks us all in the face with her ability to be upside down. I yeah, hope me, so. Me too. Me too. Okay, one more question about the games. You think um, Rich ever competes again? Um, like as a as a in a, in the in the age group? Yeah, just anywhere. You think he ever competes in CrossFit again at, on the big stage, whether it's team, age group? I think he would. I think yeah. he would. Yeah, I think he would. He, I think he would, or he wants to. You think he'll get the itch again? Man, it's it's such a strange thing. I I think there's a blend of things that he's got he's got to consider, right? Like like relevancy within the space. Um, timing, um, what they want to do with his company and his brand. I mean, he's built such uh, an amazing thing that he's got to make business choices, even if he doesn't want to sometimes to be like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get involved here to, to keep my relevancy, to show people that I can still do it, to make them want to do what I'm doing in training. Because as we continue to progress through the years, um, like without, without his relevancy on the team side, for example, individuals so long ago, it's like if he's not going to be the coach to some of these athletes, which I think he's publicly said several times, he's like, I'm not really a coach. I'm more like a training partner, and I, I guide them, right? I guide them. Um, if he doesn't want to be in the thick of it with some of these athletes that he's bringing up, I think his best way to stay relevant is through his training and competing if it's possible. So if he wants it, um, I know his kids are getting older too, so soon you know, it won't be so cool to just hang around with them all the time as I'm sure he he loves to do. But sometimes as the kids start to get older, you got to you know, you know, get back in the gym and start grinding with the – Youth would, would you say him and Dave are the two most relevant people in the space? They've held their relevancy the longest, Dave Castro and uh, Rich Roney? Um, yes. And and I say that because, you know, Annie Thorstar comes to my mind immediately as well. Right, right. Yep, fair, fair. I put her up there too. Yep, yep. But but different, right? Different. Rich, Rich there, there was always something special about Rich that, like, we couldn't – I mean, I still can't really nail, right? Presence, attitude. It's not like Rich gets on here and and tries to be smart or tries to be something he's not. He's just authentic. And I think that that you feel that authenticity. He's comfortable in his own skin. But the way he trained and moved, it's just like women wanted to be with him, men wanted to be like him. Right. And that's yeah, the yeah. that's the amazing combination for any strong influence in any space, whether we like it or not, from a worldly perspective. If the women want to be with you, guess what they're gonna want to do? They're gonna want to get their their husband looking like you because they can't yeah. be with you. So they're gonna follow the program, buy the clothes, buy the hats. And the men that want to be like you, they're going to double down. They're coming to the training with Rich. They're coming to the, 
you know, they're, they're doing it. Yeah. And so yeah. that to me, that's why he's Michael Jordan is because of that influence. It's very unique. Matt Frazier to me is the fittest male in history. Yeah. Um, and I said, we could, we could have different discussions sure. centered around this, of course. And I know Rich is your boy, so I'll tread lightly. Yeah. Rich, Rich is my boy. Too. Rich the is my thing boy is, too. is I think Matt's already about to experience what have you done for me lately, and 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 and, and 100%. that's just sports. I don't mean that in any derogatory way. But there's already people. Who, Mal O'Brien probably didn't. If, if Rich wouldn't have done um, uh, team, she'd have no idea who he is. That's how long ago it is that he won individual. But he, this fucking guy, has stayed relevant for so long. But you will turn into a, what have you done for me lately? And somehow him. As the as as the um, uh, as as an athlete and and Dave is uh, you know the Dana White as the as the promoter, they've just stayed so fucking relevant forever. It's 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 kind of nuts. Yeah, and I, and I will say this selfishly about Rich Simone. I, yeah. I I I hope that he does Masters, and I say that because of with the shift and the change in the sport mm -hmm. right now, right? Like, hey, they ain't gonna get to throw down where the Indies and teams throw down, mm -hmm. right? We know that. I, I just I'd love to see it because I know where the eyes go and I know where the audience goes. And it's unfair to ask that of him, like be like, oh, Rich should do that. I'm not hey, saying it would that. double it. It would double it. Oh, you know, it, it. would double it. And, and, and you know, and he knows it, it too. Yeah. Yeah. But right. Like that's yeah. heavy. Where's the crown? So then yeah. he's got to think, well, do I want to do that to be a good sport for everybody and help the sport? But also, I don't want to lose. So I know what that looks like training wise for me, because, you know, he obsesses. Right. So yeah. if he decides he's going to do it, he's going to go do it and go win it. Yeah. So that, that's the that's the fine line for Rich. But yeah, I'd love to see some of these. You know, I think about the people who who have started to age up: the Dan Bailey's, the Graham Holmberg's, the 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 Rich Fronings, the Scott Panchicks. Um, I know Sam Dancer said he's going to go ahead and do indie um, and try to do indie again to go back to the games. Um, but I'd still I'd love the easy like all the guys that that have this renowned awareness socially about them and have kind of been steadfast throughout the years. I think it would really help continue to push masters into the space that aren't masters already, like that aren't even competing yet. Right. Like, so we're talking the 35s, the 40 and the 45 year olds that are still like, man, I think, I think I do want to try the CrossFit thing. Cause I, I want to look like rich when I'm, when I'm 40, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you so much. I do. Uh, hey, look forward to having you. you on again already. Likewise, my man. Okay. Have a great day. Peace out. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Adrian Conway. Wow. That was cool. What a cool dude. What an easy, easy guy. Holy shit. I'll I'm going to throw him on the, maybe the Mount Rushmore of easy podcast. Maybe when I travel, uh, it's like I do him, Josh Bridges and, um, Jason Kalipa just back to back to back in, in rich four, four in a row, the four easiest people you could ever have on. My God. It was easy. Uh, I got to do something really quick. I got to find out what's going on inside the house. I, um, yeah, he's a model. I, I had some modeling photos of him that I didn't even get to. Yeah, he's he's a he's a model. He was on the cover of this um novel. I couldn't tell if it was a sex novel or what. But yeah, he's a uh, he's quite the looker. Hello, you Haley. Son of a bitch. Justin V, one step closer to Jesus. Oh, all right. Do you say so? I could call Laura. I'm thinking about calling Laura. I'm thinking about should I text Laura or call Laura? I'd call Laura right now. I'm feeling fucking top of the world. Fuck you. I do what I want to do. What is this?
Uh, oh man. Okay. Uh, let me see. Um, but, uh, yeah. Thanks, David. Thanks. You're a good dude. You, that means you think I should call her? Uh, too soon? No, it's not too soon to call Laura. It's been a while. I like all the angles. David with the popcorn. Someone else telling me too soon. I bet you don't call her. That one kind of works on me. I'm kind of simple like that. <clears throat> um, uh, Oh, it looks like, wow. I just, it looks like I'm going to have, looks like Brian's coming on on the 24th to do a rogue show. That's cool. What do I, should you think I should call Laura? <clears throat> let me see if I have her, um, uh, let me see. Uh, what, do I, what am I going to say to her? Hey, will you come on my show? Last time I got so much fucking hate when I called her. I'm not from her. You think she's in the States yet? Lord, what country is she from? Hungary? Let me see what time it is there real quick. Let me just show some. Hungary. Uh, what time is it in Hungary? That's what she, She's Hungarian. What time is it in Hungary? And at 5.48. Perfect time. I can't act like a jackass either. I have to be kind. Last time I acted like such a pussy. This time I have to kind of be cool. Like more suave. Okay. Oh, my mouth's getting dry. Ooh, I felt my heartbeat rate spike a little bit. No, it's 5.48. 5.48 in Hungary. Uh, what time is it in Hungary? 5.48. Oh, she is in Virginia with <clears throat> Ben. All right. All right. Hey, I'm not even going to... Um, I'm not even going to... Uh, I'm not even... I'm not even going to, like, ask her to come on the show. I'm just going to start interviewing her. Oh shit, really? Someone just texted me and said do not call her. <laughs> uh uh Oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's good. It's it's fine. Let me see. I'm calling her. It's fine. Listen, you get you listen. You got to call. You just sometimes you got to just live life on the edge. Yeah, let's call. Here we go. Here we go, people. Here we go. What if Laura and I already have this all planned out? I'm like, hey, make this exciting. Just talk shit to me and then hang up on me. What if it was all planned out? Got that European ring. She just texted me, fuck off, dwarf. Damn, that's harsh. No answering machine? Nothing? Can't even hear her voice?
Uh, um, oh, uh, let me see. Um, hi, it's Sevon. Um, will you please come on the podcast for a few minutes someday soon? All right. That's, I think that's nice. That's sweet. <laughs> One of my friends said, hey, dude, it makes me so nervous when you call Laura that I minimize the YouTube screen. <laughs> That's how I feel. That's how I feel when people tell me their parents died. I just want to fucking run away. I don't even know how to fucking process that. No, 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 no. That doesn't happen. No one's parents died. What are you talking about? All right. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing today. Haley. Haley. Hear the dog outside. I gotta call my wife one more time. I need to. I want to hang out with you guys a little bit, but um, Avi was acting weird last night, like rubbing his eye a lot. I don't know if he has pink eye or not. Where the fuck is Caleb? I should call Caleb. I thought Caleb was gonna be here every day now. Hello, you've reached Haley. Leave a message. All right. Well, I'm going inside. Oh, I should tell you guys who's on tomorrow, right? Uh, let's say the oh, it was so we had Adrian Conway today. That was great. Oh, so tomorrow morning, listen to this. Wow, tomorrow morning show is crazy. Uh, tomorrow morning we have Jason Hopper. Oh, tomorrow Jason Hopper and, and Andrew Hiller will be on in the morning. And then one hot, and then at, at the halfway mark of the show, um, Hunter McIntyre is going to come on. I don't know what's going to happen to Jason. I don't know if Jason's going to stay on or not. But that that's a that's a lot of meat. Hiller, Hopper, and Hunter—that's a lot of meat. And then shut up and scribble <clears throat> with uh, Taylor Self and J.R. Howell. You know, I I think that um uh somehow Caleb got sucked back up into the military thing. And then on Friday, we have a B-Boy Gravity on. That's the guy. who He works at the um, monkey camp with um, Durante. Um, uh, Fire monkey, power monkey, power monkey camp. Yeah, Power Monkey. All right. Thanks, guys. I ain't got, I got nothing.
I'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, great show with Adrian Conway. Adrian, thanks for coming on. And uh, I will talk to all of you guys soon. Oh, the behind the scenes is coming along great. Um, uh, Two Brain Business has been so crazy helpful in helping us get resources to get the behind the scenes moving along. I have seen some incredible clips from there. Some really, really funny shit. So there's that. That's the update on the behind the scenes. Bye-bye.